Welcome to the Genesis Church Podcast. We'll have more information at the end of the podcast, but for now, please enjoy this week's teaching. Scripture this morning is from Matthew chapter 22, verses 34 through 46. When the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together, and one of them, an expert in the law, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which commandment in the law is the greatest? He said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Now while the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them this question. What do you think of the Messiah? Whose son is he? They said to him, the son of David. He said to them, how is it then that David by the spirit calls him Lord, saying, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. If David thus calls him Lord, how can he be his son? No one was able to give him an answer, nor from that day did anyone dare to ask him any more questions. <laughs> the word of the Lord. I, um, it's been a while since I've been up here, guys. Um, woohoo! So this is fun. This is Jesus being Jesus. Um, let's give it up for costumes, yeah? Yep, even for those who didn't dress up, that's okay. We know you dress up in your heart. <laughs> um, my own daughter didn't dress up, which I know. But she got, like, hand-me-down clothes from a friend's sister, and she has to wear a uniform at school. So she's like, I just want to express myself, you know, Mom? Anyways, um, so here we are in Matthew. Raise your hand if you've ever heard of the book of Matthew. <laughs> yes, good job, everybody. <laughs> Um, okay, <laughs> so where are we in the story of Jesus, right? We are in Matthew. Uh, Matthew is a gospel, which gospel means good news. And so this is Matthew's version of Jesus, of the story of Jesus. Um, and we are in narrative prose, and these were all important things to keep in mind as we are reading here today, because it turns out that Genre kind of informs how we read and experience scripture, um, and so does lots of other fun things like that. So let's see where we are in the story, right, our literary context. Um, so raise your hand if you think this story happens before or after Palm Sunday. So let's see, raise your hand if you think it's before Palm Sunday. Raise your hand if you think it's after Palm Sunday. Oh, well, well, well. It's after um, Palm Sunday. So especially when I'm in the Gospels and especially in the like later halves, like late teens and 20s, I always want to make sure, okay, is this like after Palm Sunday or before? Because like that really informs like kind of the nuances of this story. So it's after Palm Sunday and it's before 
good slash sad Friday. And so it's important to keep in mind that at this point in this story, the Passover festival is drawing near. And Jesus knows he only has a few days left to live. And the Jewish, Jewish religious leaders are trying to quell the, rambun the rambunctious excitement of this rumored Messiah who has entered into Jerusalem on a donkey, and everyone thinks that he is here to overtake the oppressive Roman regime. So there is a lot going on. There's a lot at stake, and everyone seems to kind of be on edge. Now, if we look at Matthew 20, 22 um, altogether, we see we have three back-to-back -back stories of Jesus being in conflict with these religious leaders. Um, so first round, we have Jesus versus the Pharisees and the Herodians. And this is the question they ask Jesus, is it lawful to pay taxes? And that's when Jesus says, give to Caesar what is Caesar, give to God what is God's. Um, and then round two, we have Jesus and the Sadducees. These are all like really fun names um, <laughs> for our purposes today. They are religious leaders. There's all sorts of fun nuances that you can pay thousands of dollars to learn about in seminary. Um, but that's, we don't really need to know that right now. <laughs> um, so they come to Jesus with this really fun riddle. Uh, if a woman married a man, but then he dies before she has a kid, so then lawfully she has to marry his brother, but then his brother dies before she can have a kid. So then she marries the next brother and the next brother and the next brother and so on until she has been married to all seven brothers, but no kids. So if the resurrection is real, the Sadducees were doubters. They were like, whose wife would she be? Who does she belong to, this property? Um, so that's really fun. You can dive into that. Um, and then here we have a rematch of Jesus versus the Pharisees in which they ask, what is the greatest commandment? And it's kind of fun to read this as, like, Jesus is this up-and-coming rookie boxer in a sports montage, and he's, like, taking out the Herodians, taking out the Sadducees, taking out the Pharisees, but instead of fists, they use questions and words and knowledge. Um, and it all leads up to this final round against the reigning undefeated champion later that week, Jesus versus the Roman Empire slash death. Um, so... Who knew the Bible could be so fun and dramatic? So here we are in our portion today, Matthew 22, verses 34 through 46, not 35, as it says in your liturgy. That would be fun if it's just two verses. Um, so an expert on the Torah asks, Rabbi, teacher, which commandment in the law is greatest? And as an expert in the law, they would have known there was well over 600 laws, and they probably had them all memorized. So we're going to do an all-play, but like a brainstorm kind of an all-play. Um, I mean, they kind of all are brainstorms anyways. But like, I want us to think and come up with as many answers as we can as to why is this the question that the expert on the law asked Jesus? We're going to brainstorm all these possible reasons, but I also want you to keep in mind, right? We're reading a story, and the first two verses sets it up. When the Pharisees heard that Jesus had basically owned the Sadducees, and they gathered together, like in a little team huddle, and one of them, an expert on the law, this lawyer, 
asked him a question to test him. That's how the story is set up. But let's also keep in mind, this is Matthew's good news story. This is the written down good news story of someone who is on Team Jesus. And so could there also be some dramatization in caricatureness at play here? So why this question? And what are they trying to do here? Yeah. So if he answers, nobody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jason was saying that, like, they're trying to trip Jesus up because Jesus will either get lost in the weeds of all 613 laws, um, and then they'd be like, well, wait, what about this one? Or Jesus can go, as Jesus did, go big picture. Yeah, okay, but what about this? Like, it's kind of a lose-lose situation for Jesus here. What other ideas? Could they, could they be genuinely curious? Like, what if in for real life this story happened and it was actually just some guy who was like, okay, so Jesus, I know there's a lot of laws here. And the Pharisees, they, they often get a bad rap. They are just, they care a lot about the rules. And I, there are some dear people that I love in my life who love the rules. I am not one of them. But it's important to follow rules, and rules are for order, expectations, and structure. And so it's like, it's kind of impossible to follow all 613, and it's exhausting. So can you give me, like, Reader's Digest? What is, like, the one that I absolutely have to follow? <laughs> yes, are they Enneagram ones? <laughs> yeah. Ooh, that's good. Yeah, John was saying, like, he wonders if they asked Jesus, already knowing how they would answer that question, and they wanted to see if Jesus would have the same answer. Hmm. How would you answer? Oh, no, go ahead. Ooh, that's spicy. I like that. I hadn't thought of that. But, like, yeah, you have these different groups of religious leaders, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and... What if the Pharisees are like, let's see whose side Jesus is on, ours or theirs? If you don't, this isn't all play, but it's just something to think about. Like, if someone just came up to you and asked you, what's the most important law or rule, or it could be in the Bible, it could be in our world, in our city, um, even in our households? Like, it's just really interesting to think about. Um, so at this moment in my sermon writing, I was like, okay, we got this first chunk. My brain was like, okay, there's like two different threads here that we can follow. Do we follow the thread of Jesus's answer to the expert's question? Or do we follow the thread of the kind of weird and confusing questions Jesus asks back to the expert of the law that weaves us back into the Psalms and through Israel's monarch history and loops into questions about Jesus's authority and what even is authority and what does this series of conversations teach us about how God reveals her authority and how does this compare to how leaders in our day and influencers in our world make their authority known? Um, and so good news, I chose the first one. <laughs> um, so... The second one is really fun to think about, if ever you want to think about that with me. 
Um, but we're just going to keep it simple with the whole love God, love your neighbors and yourself bit. So this expert on the law asks Jesus, teacher, which commandment in the law is the greatest? And Jesus says, well, there's actually two, and they're actually all 613 laws crammed together. The first and greatest commandment is this. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. And the second is like this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now, here's something interesting that I learned about myself this week. Um, I think I've always read this story as Jesus giving us, like, a hierarchy of love. Um, Like, first, you got to make sure you love God every single day and every single thing that you do. That's the absolute most important thing. That's the reason why you were put on earth, is just to love God, worship God. But so then once you check that off, then you got to make sure you love your neighbors. But make sure that you prioritize loving the neighbors who are really hard to love, because then you get bonus points for that. And then after spending all of that love, if there's any left, you can spend some on yourself. But you have to make sure you don't have too much fun because it's got to be productive love. And you need to do something that will make you a better human. So that doesn't mean video games or ice cream or lounging around in sweatpants because that is hedonism. <laughs> and there you go. That is how you be a perfect Christian. But that's not what love is like, is it? I mean, first of all, love isn't a limited resource. It's not a pie or a pizza or a pile of beans that you have to ration or tithe away. Love is the ever-expanding universe. Love is that persistent leak in your ceiling that keeps filling up bucket after bucket. And it's love is the pet hair in your house and on your clothes that never seems to go away. And let's just, like, let's flip this hierarchy inside out and upside down because Can you actually love God without loving yourself? Can you love God without loving other people? Can you love other people without loving yourself? God's kind of love is not linear. It's more like this amorphic cosmic blob that ebbs and flows, expands and contracts, floats and dances, swirls and wiggles. It's not just love God then love your neighbor, then love yourself. It's love yourself as you love your neighbor. Love your neighbor as you love God. Love yourself as you love God. Love God as you love your neighbor. Love your neighbor and God and yourself and God and yourself and your neighbor and yourself and your neighbor and God. This love, this God kind of love is an orientation It's not just this noun or this tower of Jenga blocks that you piece together. It's an orientation. It's aligning your compass in the direction of love herself and following that needle in every day and every way of your life. God's kind of love is ordinary and outstanding. It's small and big and medium and microscopic. It's active and engaging. It's informing and inspiring. Because God's kind of love doesn't just let us disengage, does it? 
Because we love God doesn't mean we get to just sit back and watch the world burn because, hey, we're going to heaven because we love God and you don't. God's kind of love doesn't let us remove ourselves when things get too bad, too big, too messy, too overwhelming, too complicated, too controversial, too whatever. Love is a verb, and love is a vibe. So here, we're closing now, like, wow. Um, Here's an all play to wrap things up. What does it look like to you in your life, in your social context, given who you are, your personality, your interests, your passions? What does it look like for you to love yourself? What does it look like for you to love your neighbors? And what does it look like for you to love God? They can be, again, tiny little things and big, huge, humongous things. <laughs> yes. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Sandra said there's lots of stickers involved for her. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay, so we'll be giving out Kara's address later because <laughs> um, Kara loves their neighbors by giving out full-size candy bars for Halloween. And we all know how loved we feel, I guess. I can't say we have all received large candy bars, but like you can't imagine the gift that that is. Mm, quick to forgive. Yeah, forgive yourself and forgive others. Mm-hmm. Mm. Try to think the best of someone's intentions. Yeah. Make sure people know they're seen. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Ego said, Um, being aware of the limits that he has and the limits that other people have and then honoring those. Yeah. We're going to keep going. There's lots of ways. Listening. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Kara was saying how, like, when Freya has friends over, she kind of keeps eyes on the social dynamics of the kids and making sure everyone is feeling included and that um, nobody's feeling or being weird. (laughs) Um, Weird is good, but also there's a not good weird. (laughs) The not good weird. Hmm. You know, for me, loving my dog is paying attention to her when she comes over and goes like this, Mom, I need to play. And it's also my dog loving me. Uh, She knows what time I'm usually done with work every day. And if she sees me sitting at my desk past that time, she stares at me and barks. (laughs) She's like, Mom, you got to be done. 
Any other ways? <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, I feel that. That, that presence and um, especially around kids, putting down technology and just being present. And that does sometimes look like picking the reds off your sweater. <laughs> yep, self-regulation. Okay, last call. Anyone? Caring? Sharing. Sharing. Sharing and caring. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sharing food, sharing time, sharing your deepest, darkest secrets. All right. Well, um, thank you. That was like really fun. And the ways that we love ourselves and our neighbors and God, um, they're all unique to each of us. And there's no one, one size love fits all in this. And the ways in which we all show up in the world and in love reflect the beauty of how we are all uniquely and wonderfully and beautifully made. Thank you for listening to the Genesis Church Podcast. Our teaching team is made up of men and women who love asking probing questions of each week's scripture portion. Creating opportunities for our community to respond from wherever they are in their faith formation. We follow the Revised Common Lectionary and a church calendar because they anchor us in something which can hold us no matter what life throws our way. Our goal is to become ordinary apprentices of Jesus who are learning to love God, ourselves, and others wholeheartedly. If you have any questions or would like to connect with Please us, visit genesiscove.org.